let's say you go out for a swim and you're looking for fossilized megalodon shark teeth at a river in Florida. Ah, you know, like, let's say the Mayaka River. And all of a sudden, you come up for a breath and you feel like you got hit by a boat going 50 miles an hour. And you feel like a propeller to the head just pulled you down. And you realize, hey, I'm not sure what just happened. So you come up for air and there's a gator looking at you about four feet away. According to Jeffrey Heim from Tampa, Florida, that's exactly what happened to him. And so he claimed that he learned dealing with sharks. You don't want to act like prey. So you don't want to move too fast. I just started moving slowly away, he said. Now, he was released from the hospital after the gator had bitten his head and one of his hands. His skull was fractured 34, well, it was fractured and they put 34 staples in it to close the wound. He claims he just was lucky. Yeah, nothing says getting bitten the skull by a shark is lucky. I'm lucky he didn't death roll me. Uh, he didn't get an arm, my face, my neck, my leg, literally anywhere else. He got the skull, and that's where it was strong enough to protect me from the full power of the gator's teeth. Oh, yeah, he hit me in the perfect spot. <laughs> uh, how about no? So he started a GoFundMe page to pay for the medical bills. I should have done that. So he's raised uh, 2300 bucks. The goal was 6000 so if you want to help him out, you can look for his GoFundMe page, the Jeffrey Heim, H-E-I-M, GoFundMe page to help him out after getting bit by a gator. I would say that, uh, I don't know, you know, we just had the story not long ago where the guys found the megalodon uh, bone, right, the thigh bone or whatever, and they knew it was fossilized and it was wonderful, so he's out there looking for the same kind of thing on uh, Memorial Day weekend, and you get bit in the skull by a gator. It does not sound like the best Memorial Day weekend, but it is a story he can tell forever. <laughs> no kidding, because he was just lucky. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. So according to Lawn Starter, who uh, is apparently the world's leading company now on polls and rankings of cities in America. They have ranked the horniest cities in America, comparing the 200 biggest cities based on nine key indicators of sexual content. (laughs) I mean, okay, thank you. Uh, Appreciate it. So you have uh, the cities, you have their overall scores and it's uh, part of uh, adult content popularity adult entertainment access you have uh, adult supplies access sex partner potential and unprotected sexual activity all equal part of the rankings the top 10 cities in america uh coming in at number 10 baltimore maryland number nine tempe arizona Number eight, Dayton, Ohio. Number seven, Newark, New Jersey. Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Number six, Atlanta, Georgia. Number five, Providence, Rhode Island. Number four, Hollywood, Florida. Number three, Orange, California. Number two, and coming in at 
number one. Number one city in America for the horniest city in America, Paradise, Nevada. I know, I know, really weird. And you look at the bottom 10, and seven of the 10 are from Texas. Really incredible. And three of them are from DFW. So you have McKinney, Texas, Plano, Texas, and Frisco, Texas. Frisco's 199, Plano's 194, McKinney's 192. That's all DFW. That's the greater DFW Metroplex. Uh, Omaha, Nebraska, Naperville, Illinois, Plano, Brownsville, Texas, and others. That's prison town. That can't be right. Uh, Laredo, Texas, Amarillo, Texas, Cape Coral, Florida, and Midland. Midland, Texas is the least horniest city in America, just so you know. And they're calling it in their story the sexless Texas. Adults clearly prefer to be alone with just their feelings in the Lone Star State. Two of the 23 Texas cities in our rankings placed in the top 100. McAllen, number 65, and Colleen, or Killeen, Texas, number 73. And as I said, seven of the bottom are Texas cities. So, wow, really, really bad uh, rankings for Texas cities in this poll. There's no doubt about that. But I was looking, I was thinking, oh, wait a minute. What about my, you know, my hometown of Tampa, Florida? Where are they ranked at? What's the deal? I mean, Tampa is, you know, strip club central. That's, I, that's part of living in Tampa is working i mean i mean stopping by or i mean driving by the strip clubs in tampa florida and they are ranked 25th in the country overall horniest city they are number one in adult content popularity uh yeah no kidding but they dropped down a little bit with adult entertainment access 52 how is that possible um Adult supplies access, 112, sexual partner potential, 43rd, and unprotected sexual activity, 114. But then, I mean, the greater Tampa Bay area, looking at St. Petersburg, they've got to be up there a ways, right? I mean, so St. Pete is 84th. Wow, 84th in the ranking, and they're 37th with their overall score. But they are 27th in... Adult content popularity, really not that good. Not a good showing. (laughs) Not a good showing from Tampa, Florida. I'm a little disappointed. Well, better uh, for Tampa than it is St. Pete. But, uh, you know, Tampa ranked 25th, but number one in adult content popularity. So, you know, good for them as they are still in the rankings of the top 25 in America as the horniest cities in America from Lawn Starter. That was Danish journalist Louise Fisher. Uh, she was doing a segment for Radio 4 Morning Show in March for an opening of a club, a swingers club, and ended up having sex on the air. And you can hear a whole lot more with the report that they released on Twitter. And she said she's fine. She was doing the interview while having sex. And it was a radio feature. And it included clips of her moaning. And it included clips of more than that, actually. But uh, I, I didn't play that for you. So it's for adults. And, you know, that's just 
We'll leave it at that. I know, I know, I know. I, I'm embarrassed for myself. I'm embarrassed for myself not playing it for you. But I'm not going to because I don't know who's listening. And, you know, just know that I'll tweet it out and uh, you can listen for yourself It uh, for the report that they teased on their Twitter account. Now, she said that, uh, uh, you know, I was approached by the guy and... I find the people at the swingers club are much more polite to each other than you are used to at normal buys or clubs and you don't have to explain anything or excuse anything. It's simple. You know, you just, I just couldn't help myself. It wasn't the best sex of my life, but it was a great experience. (laughs) Now they're trying to present this as, Oh my gosh, what a huge journalistic expanse was it was it really i'm telling you that in the early and back in the day and i know this is you know me talking back and it doesn't now you don't get those days back um you know we had multiple women in the studio and men in the studio who were willing to do many things without clothes on and it was all on the radio, my friends, all on the radio. And so people were, you could, we gave a, we've given away tattoos and we've given it away piercings and we've done all of that before. And then we had to stop doing that because of heaven. Oh my gosh. We can't do any of that kind of stuff on the radio. What do you mean? Like having fun? Yeah. You can't do any of that. Sorry. Sorry. So it's a two minute long segment that was released and you can, here are asking questions in uh, the Danish language. I forget that's where Barack Obama's girlfriend is from. And it was uh, the story was first approved for her to visit to the Swingers Club, and uh, the editor said, "Yeah, let's go with it." <laughs> Radio Four Morning Show. Let's go to Louise, who's having sex at the Swingers Club. Good for you, and it's radio you don't get anymore around the world but you're starting to again because everything old is new again okay i talked about that uh, this morning during pat's show on pat unleashed uh, pat was out sick so i did the show for uh, pat on the blaze television and radio network uh about the uh, Brazil-based JBS, the world's largest meat producer, shuttered all of its U.S.-based beef plants on Tuesday, responding to a cyber attack. The shutdowns impacted all nine beef plants located in Arizona, Texas, Nebraska, Colorado, Wisconsin, Utah, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. And according to officials from the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, I'm sorry, the United Food and Commercial Workers International Union, which represents about 25,000 JBS employees. And they have 66,000 workers across 84 U.S.-based locations. 25,000 of them are part of the United Food and Commercial Workers International Union. They were pissed. Yeah, you can find. If you got cyber attack, no problem. We're still getting paid, though. You're not going to try to take our pay away. Sorry, not going to happen. So it's unclear whether how long it's going to take for them to open back up. Apparently, they've started to reopen some again. I mean, it's a shock to the system if meat prices are going to go even higher because of this. That is uh, for sure. They're responsible for at least 25% of the meat in the U.S. Uh, I say give it away free. Don't let it go to waste. 
Let's go open this thing back up and start discounting prices. Let's go. I don't want uh, I don't want the meat going bad and just having you throw it away. Okay. Now they don't know uh, that it was. Uh, they haven't yet publicly disclosed the ransomware attack. They talked to the White House, and apparently, you know, the White House said, "Ooh, yeah." Um, yeah, the White House isn't engaging directly with the Russian government and uh, or is engaging with directly with the Russian government in the matter. And we're delivering the message that responsible states do not harbor ransomware criminals because we're pretty sure that it's the Russian group again. And I don't know if they're, you know, negotiating or what, how much or if they're paying. But I talked a little bit about it, I think, yesterday. It might have been on this show. The shows are starting to blend together now. But I talked about the guy, Curtis Minder, who is a negotiator for these ransomware hackers. That's what he does now. He started about a year ago because so many companies were getting hacked and paying them off. In this story, it's a long story in The New Yorker, and it's really good. It's, it talks about his, uh, his rise to prominence in the cybersecurity negotiating tactic world. And he talks about um, how he negotiates with them, who does it. It's, uh, you know, it, it, they called him one weekend and he said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And now that's what he spends a lot of his time doing. The ransomware groups include this our evil work and uh, they handle ransom negotiations on behalf of its affiliates. <laughs> The hackers use various techniques to gain access to the company's computers. They embed malware and an email attachment. And he said that paying ransom, uh, you worried about being a venture capital or the dark web, but they are paying it, man. He talks about in 2018, they would take, they would do companies and would, you know, they'd pay $7,000, $10,000. And then it jumped up through the roof in after 2018. In 2019, it grew to $41,000, and now they're raking in billions of dollars, and they get off scot-free because companies just want to pay the deal, and they have cyber insurance from companies to uh, you know pay the ransom if it happens. I know that's more expensive now than ever because there's more and more ransomwares. I mean, they remember. Uh, they started uh, kidnapping people for ransom, and you'd have kidnapping insurance, right? I mean, that's uh, Denzel Washington and A Man on Fire, right? I mean, that was a great movie, and that was about kidnapping and kidnapping insurance and kidnapping gone wrong. Uh, but they're now you're doing it to cybersecurity, and he's talking about having to deal with them. And he said that uh, you know companies are willing to pay. They just don't want to pay the full amount. So they have negotiators. And you're talking to low-level hackers in the beginning, and the hackers will demand so much, and then they've got to go to their boss, and pretty soon they reach a point of, you know, hey, that's uh, that's enough. That's good. We're That's a deal. We'll pay you, and we'll take that amount, and you, you're good to go. You're back in business. Just incredible. So I don't know how you stop it, and I, I really don't know how you stop it unless you have, you know, you need to have a great IT, de- IT department and a great cybersecurity team to for your companies because they're coming, and they're coming fast, and they're gonna they're gonna want money, and the easiest thing for these companies to do is to 
say, all right, we'll negotiate with you. I'm not sure if JBS negotiated and lost, so now they shut it down, or if it was easier for them, they got nervous and jumped the gun and shut it down, and then they realized, ooh, we can negotiate, and then we'll open things back up. Uh, slow but sure, but we're going to negotiate and we're going to you know, give them the money that they want. I, I don't know. Really, really a good deal. But if you want to make some money, <laughs> want to make some money, start hacking companies and demanding that uh, you need money or you're going to shut them down because, you know, you never know. You might get the cash you need. Let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. I'll tell you that. Desperately. All right, as long as we're in the break room, let's talk a little bit about uh, social media, shall we? You can always follow me on Twitter at JeffyJFR, Facebook and Instagram, Jeff Fisher Radio, and Parlor, Jeff Fisher Radio. I found out something interesting yesterday as I was wondering what is going on with Parlor. So you can get to Parlor through the website, but there's no app available for your phones. All right. So the Android app and the iOS Apple app is available to download, but not from the Play Store. So you have to do what is called, oh, what do they call it here? Gosh darn it. A side load. Okay. What is that? <laughs> and I know those of you that know are like, geez, Jeff, you don't know what a side load is? Well, yeah, I, I kind of do. I get it. I mean, they returned access to the Android and the iOS apps, but they remain unavailable. So like I said before, Parler is dead. I mean, if they can't, if you can't get it on your phone, what are you doing? And if you have to go through, jump through hoops, so you go to their website and you get the direct download links to the APK for Android versions, and you follow the instructions on how to download and install the app through side loading. At present, there's no similar option available for iOS users, and that's unlikely to change in the future. So you can't even do that on Apple products. And according to Parler, and according to these stories, uh, side-loading apps, yeah, that's not really a great idea. Yeah, you know, you can bypass a lot of protections of companies that put in place for their app stores, but they tend to come with higher security risks. Oh, okay. So iPhone, downloading apps removed from the app store is a lot harder to do, but I guess, you know, you can do it. Uh, well, no, I guess not. According to this, while it's now, yeah, it is, it is, it is not, imp- not impossible to sideload an iOS app. However, uh, it includes more steps called jailbreaking. That doesn't sound like a good idea. Anyway, Parler is dead. There's no way around that. I mean, come on. I, I, I posted something yesterday on Parler and, you know, I was at the website and I'm online, so I do it. And that's what I'll do. I mean, if I, I will still post there because I'm there and I'll do it. But overall, really, uh, if it's not available, easy access for people, for the general public, to be able to be walking down the street and access parlor, uh, good luck, God bless. I don't know that that's, I don't know that's going to happen. I also see where Twitter it's being reported now is going to roll out full screen ads 
to boost revenue and compete with Instagram and Snapchat. Isn't that interesting? Why, yes, yes, it is. So Twitter generated 86% of its revenue from advertising in 2020 with ad revenue and total ad engagement growing significantly in the past year. Nevertheless, the company posted a $1.1 billion loss in 2020. (laughs) That was their first annual loss in three years. Wow. Jack's got to go, man. Hashtag Jack's got to go. Wow. I mean, I feel out. I'm one of their, you know, they send me uh, their little advertising polls and I answer them for them. But it's, uh, if they're going to start, I mean, full, full screen ads, if you can get rid of them, great. Uh, no problem. But if they are going to be intrusive, no. And you've got to bring people value with the ads too, right? I mean, you have to. So I guess they're going to partner with a handful of advertisers and with fleet ads and they'll be pushed to a limited group of users in the u.s starting this week you should already be seeing them maybe some of you are i have not seen them uh good uh good i don't want to see them but i will if they're there i'll put up with them but uh they also rolled out um their professional profiles for businesses to have dedicated tools and features to present themselves on the platform similar to facebook and instagram so, I mean, I would say hashtag uh, Jack's got to go. <laughs> He's hanging in there. He's trying. He's hanging in there. He is trying. I will say that uh, I also saw where Vice President of Global Affairs for Facebook, Nick Clegg, stated in a recent op-ed that Facebook shouldn't be hampered by regulation so that it could be free to spread its technology worldwide, but also American values such as free expression (laughs) now that is funny that whole statement is funny now i would say that that's for the american front room table yeah man we want we don't want regulation we want to be able to spread our technology worldwide but you know and we want to also promote american values such as free expression (laughs) of course free expression means that you know what we think is free expression not what you think okay so don't get don't get too pushy and we really do kind of want uh uh regulation in fact that's what the head guy uh is talking about because he knows and once they're regulated that's good they're part of making the rules and laws and they can shut down other places that are doing social media, you know, like Parler. Oh, oh, okay. You know the free expression that Parler had that shut them down? Really? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. I mean, just incredible. And I see where Twitch is starting to add over 350 tags to help make streams more inclusive. Gosh darn it, good for Twitch, because we want to be able to make it more exclusive right twitch is aware that bigots and trolls may abuse the tags to harass streamers but those that do will face punishment in line with the company's anti-hate policy okay so there you have it don't get start with me we worked with glad and able gamers to develop the tags alongside the community itself 
And we want to reflect a wide range of communities, including the ones for gender and sexual orientation, ethnicity, abilities, and veteran status. You might only have to search for a tag to find streams that exactly match the community you're looking to talk to. I mean, okay. All right. That's fine. Whatever. That's fine. I'll hashtag whatever I want to to search for streams that fit me. And did you see, I think I, I, these shows are getting all mished together this week, but I see, I love this story about Alec Baldwin on the Talking Sopranos podcast. Why have I not been on the Talking Sopranos podcast? Uh, I don't know, but I should have been, and I still should be. But he was on there, and Alec said that uh, he always wanted to be the guy to kill Tony Soprano. And he, this is his story. This is Alec Baldwin's story. So I almost believe it but not really he said i called up whoever it was i forget and i said tell them when it's time to kill jimmy he recounted referring to tony soprano actor james gandolfini tell them this was early before you get to the end there's only one man in this business who should come in and whack jimmy and ride off with Edie falco and i'm that man <laughs> are you alec are you I'm the guy who needs to blow Jimmy away and take Edie. He's not even calling him Tony. This pisses me off. You know the story is not right. Who I'm madly in love with away. And they were like, sure, great. We'll add your name to the list of all the Irish actors who think they should be on The Sopranos. Uh, By the way, uh, he never did show up on The Sopranos. And we have the new Sopranos uh, coming out very soon. I'm really looking forward to it. I am kind of disappointed. We talked about how they named the kid Antonio, and that's not that was not tony's name during the sopranos it was anthony i'd like to know i want to next i want that explained because it's not antonio soprano it was anthony soprano tony and it wasn't jimmy either alec i know that you think you're big buds with james gandolfini because you were in a couple of movies together from time to time we probably weren't even on the set at the same time but you all love each other so but he's, I mean, he was dying to be on The Sopranos and have a part of that in that show. Uh, nope. Sorry, Alec. Have a nice day. Okay, I know the airlines are at least on their way back. When you look at the numbers through the turnstile, you see... Well, on 6-1, if you're listening live today on the 2nd of June, 2021, uh, yesterday, 6-1-2021, 1,682,752 souls through the turnstiles. And, you know, last year was 267,742. I mean, it was, you know, nobody. We were in the middle of the pandemic lockdown. In 2019, when we were still booming and everyone was... Everyone was flying and going after everything. They had 2,247,421 uh, souls through the turnstile. So, I mean, uh, they're still down a million, not even quite a million, really. But uh, overall, they're still down, you know, six, seven hundred thousand. Uh, the day before, you know, the holiday weekend, they had uh, almost two million, and it was almost two million. 500,000 in 2019. So, I mean, you know, they're down 600,000 
from 2019 numbers but that's coming i mean battling back from what they were heck yeah they're doing good now they're concerned that they've had more we've talked a little bit about how many attacks they've had and how many rowdy passengers they've had look why don't the airlines just tell people get the vaccine you can fly without a mask and you know what we'll let you drink too i mean they said well we're we've we got rid of alcohol uh during the pandemic but uh, we're going to bring it back slowly and surely but we're concerned about the about the actions uh, that are taking place on the airlines during well bring back alcohol let them get drunk calm down i, I don't uh, i don't understand the thinking from the airlines and i don't understand the what good is getting vaccinated if i still have to wear a mask on your stupid plane I've been vaccinated. I don't want to wear a mask. And by the way, I don't really want to wear a mask anyway. So I just, I, I, the mask thing is driving me insane. Um, but whatever, you know, whatever. If you were a private company, maybe I'd give you a break. But you're a government entity, so you got to do what Dingleberry's in charge in Washington, D.C. tell you to do. I get it. I saw where they're trying to push this new double-decker airplane cabin. The future of flying. I don't know if you saw it, but I'm not flying on that thing. Uh, no. You have to climb up to get to the center seats. And I'm not sure it gives you, I guess the people down below, you get more leg room. But I don't want to be face level with the butt of the person in front of me. I don't necessarily want that to happen. So you'd want to sit in the upper level, the middle level, but you got less leg room and you got to climb up to get to it. So no. <laughs> I mean, how about you give everybody a little bit of wider seat? You give everybody a, a little bit more leg room. And since we're concerned I guess about the health safety of our passengers that gives everybody a little bit more room and less crowded on the airplane for our health safety. So I know you've got to, you know, drop the numbers a little bit on your airline. So instead of two flights a day, you might have to have three flights a day to the city to accommodate the passengers. Instead of one flight, you may have to do two flights just a couple of times a week to accommodate for the more passengers as you get more and more people going through the turnstiles so how about we concern ourselves with that and we make people a little more comfortable so they're less aggravated when they fly just a thought i mean i don't work for the tsa i don't work for the airlines but it's just a thought i know you're all high and mighty and you're the airlines and we're supposed to bow down to you to you but how about no uh you've cut your flights down by i don't even know how many hundreds of flights a day across the country so that you have planes full of people nut to butt two and three to a mule on that thing and now you want us to be happy with it and be extra happy with it and we have delays and we have to wait on the tarmac and we're delaying we're at your time we're at your we fly on your schedule and we try to make accommodations to fly on your thing you know what no i mean how about you come to a little you know a little little help for the everyday person yourself it's just 
very frustrating. Very frustrating. And the, you know what? what's happening more and more is, and, and it's going to happen, we should have let you go out of business. But we should have done. And let other people start running your company. But we saved you, which was a huge mistake. You're too big to fail. No, you're not. But, you know, so I, oh, no. Oh, no. There won't be an American Airlines. What will we do? I don't know. Somebody will buy the planes and start flying them around and make a better deal for us. Somebody will. We've already got more. I, I get ads every day from different companies that want me to fly private or how I can rent a ride on their airline for i mean it's way too expensive and i don't do it the reason they keep sending it to me is because i clicked on it a couple of times <laughs> oh that looks good Man, i'd rather do that i've flown private before thanks to you know glenn beck and uh it gets very comfortable and you get really used to it you know why because you don't have to put up with the airline bullcrap you get to pull in and you get to walk out right to the plane and your luggage goes on. You get on the plane and you take off and you don't have to hear about don't use your electronic devices and you don't have to hear all that other bull crap. You get on, you get yourself a drink and you fly to your destination and then you get off and you're there and you fly on your time. So maybe the airlines need to come to our side for a little bit and realize that, you know what? You aren't. The all-seeing, all-knowing. But I digress. <sighs> Maybe that needs to happen. It's just a thought on my part. That's all. Just a thought. And I know that nobody wants to say, you know, maybe we just need to do the Vax Pass. I know, I know, I know, I know. Don't look at me like that. But you know what? If, and I, I don't, and I still am in the vaccine-hesitant pile. So I wouldn't have it. You know what I mean? You're free. You don't have to have the vaccine, but you have to sit over there. Uh, you have to fly on those planes over there. Uh, maybe that's what's going to happen. But at least give me some benefit of the doubt that, you know, if you're vaccinated, I don't have to wear your stupid mask. And I will say this. You know what? The pandemic is over. I, I believe that it's over. I truly do. I'm telling you, more people in this building, in the Mercury Studios building today, than I've seen in a year and a half, and it's over. Some of them were wearing masks. Some of them weren't. And I think some of them were wearing masks because the company that we have that leases company leases uh, studios from us, uh, they still wear masks in the building. And that's part of their deal is their company. Okay, no problem. So, I, you know, whatever. But there's people out. People have, You saw all the people this past weekend over the Memorial Day holiday. It's over, man. People do not want to deal with it anymore. They're done. I know that this administration wants us to still be scared over the highly contagious COVID-19 variant from India that's spreading at a rapid rate in the U.S. Is it? Is it spreading? Is the dramatic rise of B16172 variant on a dramatic rise? I don't know. You tell me. The numbers are incredibly low around this country and we've had a freaking enough of the lockdown and every damn thing else that you've had to shove down our throats so i mean yes we're supposed to be i'm okay with you being safe and not sitting down with your shoulders right up close to me saying hey how you doing what's going on i don't want that anymore either i didn't really want it to begin with but i took it but i don't want that now but right now, the United States, uh, looking at these numbers, 2,000 new cases. 2,000. 
And I know that's 2,000 too many. 2,083, to be exact. I know that's too many. But come on now. 83 new deaths? 83? 83! It's over. It's over. Can we, I mean, we're done. Let's blind. If your country starts having uh, big numbers, you know what? You don't get to come here. Travel ban. And, you know, you can't come from other countries either. And then when your country calms down a little bit, then you can come back into the country. But for the most part, it's over. And people have had enough of it. So airlines and every other company that still wants us to believe that we're in the dark times of COVID-19. Stop it. So let's, I'll take a break from being angry. I just, I wasn't angry. Well, I kind of was. I kind of am angry. I want, I want things to be done and back to being America again. And I know that that's a really high bar in today's world, especially with this administration. And I'm going to, I try my very best to not do a lot of politics on this show. It's very frustrating and very hard not to, because it's so encompassing and the people that we have in office right now, specifically in the White House, uh, are very agonizing to me. But I digress. So we'll talk about something that uh, caught me off guard, and I did, you know, went down the rabbit hole the other day. So we saw, I don't know, a week or so ago, where the giant ice broke off the Antarctic ice shelf, and it's the world's largest iceberg, and it's named, uh, they, they made a, a beautiful, cute little name, a76 and it's uh who's a good little iceberg you are 876 come here baby so it's over 100 miles long and more than 16 miles wide covers more than 1600 square miles and it's larger than the state of rhode island and it got me thinking about antarctic and the antarctic circle and they're saying you know they started of course that uh it's not global warming or climate change huh that's not the largest iceberg ever recorded that title goes to b15 b15 you are still the winner you're still the biggest but a76 was pretty big you still are a good iceberg and you're the iceberg today but b15 was still the biggest okay okay it's okay don't cry uh so it's just you know part of the natural way of life that the ice shelf breaks like that oh okay and it shouldn't really cause any waters to rise since it was already floating in the water but you know it got me thinking about antarctic and you know what's going on there and so i don't know if you listened to my flat earth guy uh interview uh, this week on Chewing the Fat, I posted it on Monday. You can go back and listen if you didn't with Flat Earth Dave. Fascinating. Now, he believes that if you were to get to the other side and get through the Antarctic, right, get through the Antarctic or Antarctica, uh, then it, you're not you're not going to go around the Earth. He believes you're just you'd go on. There's that's where you know that's where the terrestrials come from. That's where other people that we think are from another planet come from. It's just more of earth right so and it got me thinking well you know because he believes that no one has gone 
through it. You know, you look at the flight paths. He gave demonstrations. I'm going to post that on YouTube this week, I promise, so you're able to see it. But you can hear it on uh, Chewing the Fat on the, the audio podcast. But now no one lives in Antarctica, okay? Uh, it's just there's no commercial industries, no towns or cities, no permanent residents. Uh, you know, there's only settlements with long-term residents there. And I was wondering, well, heck, has anybody been born there? Yeah, 11 children have been born in Antarctica. The first in 1978, or at least the first recorded one, was in 1978, born to Argentine parents. And uh, it was born near the tip of the Antarctic Peninsula. Really cool. And I was thinking, well, does it, you know, have any time zones? It says officially the continent is divided up into zones is not officially divided up into zones. There are research stations, and each observes its own local time. So wherever you're from, that's the time that you're on from there. Really weird. What about the Internet? Hmm. Does the does it have Internet? Now, according to this, no. The world is connected with the, the undersea fiber optic cables, but Antarctica is one continent unreachable by fiber. And because of this, satellite systems. Uh, you pick up the internet through the satellite systems, and with with uh, Musk's s- saddle link uh, going through. I mean, you're, yes, it's connected. You know, look up to the sky; the world is connected. I saw another story today talking about space junk. Speaking of Starlink and space junk, I, I'm telling you, the job of the future. We talked about future jobs yesterday. One of the big jobs of the future is collecting space junk somebody's got to do it i got to get to elon he and i got to talk i know they're looking at giving uh crybaby jeff bezos some money because he didn't get the he didn't get the contract (laughs) and i saw where they're gonna try to try to give him some money from congress to tide him over shut up you didn't get the contract quit your whining i was just agonizing he'll get it though you know he will and uh, you know because he fought it, and he got his got his panties in a wad, and I didn't get the contract from the government, and Elon got it, and I'm Jeff Bezos, and I should have gotten. Okay, no problem, Jeff, no problem. According to Rand Paul, uh, Jeff Bezos, who lost the space contract, uh, is now looking to get a ten billion dollar bailout provision for his space company. Wow. And you know they're going to give it to him? I mean, come on now. Whatever. Whatever. How do I know? You know, I talked yesterday about President Biden. I just got done saying I don't talk about politics. So I'll let it slide real quick. Uh, we, I talked yesterday about how President Biden would... Uh, hold on, I'll get to you. Uh, how he was going to you know, blast us with racism, especially with his uh, Black Wall Street in Tulsa uh, yesterday. And he did. And he did. But one of the things that is agonizing is I'm really, really sick of being called a racist. I really am. I'm really sick of thinking that black people, minorities in general, can't succeed in America. Then why do they continue to come here? You know why? Because it's America and the belief in hope that they can make it because it's being torn apart right now. It's being torn down in front of our eyes. And 
we're being told by the president of the United States that minorities and African-Americans can't make it without the help of the government. No, no, that's not true. And I saw this posted on social media yesterday. It's uh, on TikTok. And I posted it on Twitter. It's a father and a daughter. And or at least I believe that it's a father and a daughter. They certainly say they are uh, daughter and father. And he's, they're African-American, black. Uh, at least they appear to be. I don't know what they identify as. But he's telling people to not believe in this critical race theory and to believe in America. And this is what I've been saying all along, is that one-on-one people are not this horrible thing. They're just not. It's not my everyday interactions with other humans are nothing like is portrayed in the media, like is portrayed on television. Rarely, rarely are there TV shows that or movies that have an actual, I don't know, interaction that seems, you know, real. And that's what I watch them for. I enjoy it. I mean, I know they're acting and I know it's a show and we expect something more than everyday interactions. But that's what I mean. Uh, you know, it, we that's what makes the acting and the film or the TV show good, right? They're giving you something extra with that real life interaction. And it isn't the hatred or the racism. I'm sorry, it just isn't. But this guy uh, is talking. Daddy talk- teaches you you can be anything in this world that you want to be, right? Don't daddy teach you that? Yeah, and it doesn't matter if, if you're black or white or any color. Doesn't matter right. if you're black, white, brown, yellow, yellow. right? <laughs> black. And and how we treat people is based is on so who they are and not and what color nice. they are. And if they're nice and smart. See, this is how this is how children think right yes, here. Thank Critical you. race theory wants to end that. Not with my children. It's not gonna happen. My baby's gonna know that no matter what she wants to be in life, all she has to do is work hard, and she can become that. Work hard. Even though you don't know anyone, you can make friends. <laughs> yeah, you can make That's friends. Right, you no can. matter what color they are. So we Thank stop you. CRT. Period. Point blank. Children do not see skin color, man. They love everybody. If they're good people, they love them. We pray for people that are hurt. Thank you very much. This girl is so adorable. And you can tell that this guy, whether he's, you know, her dad or not, and I believe that he is, I'm joking around about him not being her dad, but you can tell that he really, really loves that girl and he should, he should. It's awesome. That's America. That's America right there. That's the way I, that's the way I want to see America. That's the way I want to see America. That's the way I do see America, but that's not the America they want you to see. That isn't, it just isn't. And it seems that more and more people are not seeing America like that. And that is heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Okay, it was just announced that we now have 52% of adults in the U.S. fully vaccinated. 52%. Okay? So can we, be, can we be done with it? Can you tell us how important it is to be vaccinated? But we can live our lives now. Thank you. Just wondering. That's all. Oh, one more thing. One more thing to complain about today. I know. I'm sorry. It's just the way I feel today. Can we stop, please, for all that is holy, stop telling me that one six 
was the worst thing that ever happened in this country. Please, can we stop telling me that 1-6 was the worst day and the worst thing that ever happened in the United States of America? Please, I just want it to stop. I will say that I appreciated a website I'm not familiar with, the Babylon Bee, it's called. Um, they put out an Instagram post uh, on Memorial Day, and it caught me a little bit off guard. I didn't realize uh, that on Memorial Day, America honors fallen soldier AOC for her service on January 6th. And the caption under her photograph is gone, but not forgotten. So uh, I know Americans uh, across the fruited plain uh, bowed their heads in in reverence. And I hope that you bowed your head a moment for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, for her service on January 6th. Gone but not forgotten. I wish I knew this website, Babylon B. I'm not. I don't understand which one that is, but I, I, you know, I sure, I sure, you know, realized that AOC served on one six. 